0: Hey everybody, Ron Rademacher here out on the back roads. This episode is about Baldwin, Michigan, and it is sponsored by the Downtown Development Authority. Mention the town of Baldwin in nearly any place in Michigan, and someone will probably give a shout-out to Jones Ice Cream. Literally generations of Michiganders have traveled to downtown Baldwin to get their annual fix of the legendary treat. I'll come back to the ice cream and all the other things to see and do in Baldwin, but first, a little history. Back in 1929, that's nearly 100 years ago, Baldwin was the epicenter of outdoor fun, according to West Michigan tourism experts. And it was the destination of choice for vacationers from Chicago, traveling by rail on the Chicago and West Michigan Railroad. Way before that, Baldwin was little more than a railroad crossing. It all began up north in Lake County, where two railroad lines converged in service of the timber industry. The logging boom started in the late 1800s and continued until the 1920s or so. After the boom was over, Baldwin could have dwindled away as so many other lumber camps did, except for all the natural beauty in the area, the ingenuity of some of the locals, and the arrival of the brown trout. When you visit Baldwin today, one of the first things you notice is the huge trout sculpture right downtown. It's the biggest trout sculpture in the world, and pays tribute to the profound effects this fish had and still has on this community, and it all happened by chance. The story goes like this It's 1844, and travel through this region was difficult even by rail. In that year, J.F. Ellis of the Northwest Fish Hatchery was on the train. He had a shipment of German brown trout fry. Fries the term for trout minnows, and he was transporting his in milk cans. During the trip, the outdoor temperature rose dramatically. At a time poor climate controls and air conditioning, those warmer temperatures were a serious problem. It was getting hot inside the train, threatening the thousands of baby trout in their metal milk cans. To save the fish, they stopped the train and released the tiny trout into the Baldwin River from a bridge not far from where the trout sculpture stands today. They poured 5,000 of them into the Cool River. By this happenstance, brown trout were first introduced into American waters. The trout thrived in the Baldwin River and made their way into the per Marquette River as well. These waters are now known as world-class Blue Ribbon Trout Streams. If you travel a few blocks east on 8th Street, you'll come to the old Trout Hatchery and a new bridge near the spot where the trout were released. The incidental release of the trout back in 1844 had a profound effect on the prosperity of this area. Baldwin remains a major destination for fishermen from around the world. The release event is remembered every year with a festival called Troutorama. Troutorama began as a simple celebration of trout fishing but has grown into one of the county's biggest events. For more than 65 years, folks have gathered for music, arts and crafts, kids games, and fishing contests volunteers organize the whole thing. Since history plays such an important part in the story of Baldwin, it only makes sense that the Historical Society and Historical Museum would play major roles in the town. The Historical Museum is right downtown along with the other action, and not only does the museum house a wealth of information, but the staff is also so enthusiastic that they make it a fun place to visit. That's a good thing, because the exhibits are full of hidden gems about Baldwin that would be easy to miss without the expert help. In addition to information about the natural beauty all around, there's a wealth of information about the impact of the logging industry, the railroads, and the Civilian Conservation Corps, or CCC, camps that operated in this area. The museum buildings themselves are part of the story. Before being converted, they were Forest Service residences. These buildings were constructed in 1838 by men from the Bightley CCC camp. The men working in that camp were all black. That corps was commanded by Lieutenant Hommenstein, who eventually left the area and served on General Dwight D. Eisenhower's staff. When they had time off, the men of Camp Bightley enjoyed the entertainment available at the famous venues in nearby Idlewild, the first free black town in Michigan. The white pine forest seemed endless and the timber industry expanded rapidly, so it is fitting that lumber exhibits, depicting lumberjack camps, equipment, and daily life, should occupy a prominent place in the museum. The conditions in the lumber camps could be extreme, and the tools the men depended on were primitive by modern standards. The workday was long and exhausting, so there was little doubt that chow time was a highlight of the day. When the food was ready, the lumberjacks were alerted that it was time to eat by a trumpet. That trumpet is about four feet long and was known as Gabriel. When the trumpet sounded, the men dropped their tools and headed in. Gabriel was a sort of high-speed Wi-Fi communication device out in the timber stands, you could say. Gabriel's on display in the museum, and you can have a try at sounding the horn when you visit. The lumber camps produced thousands of logs that had to be transported to sawmills. As more trees were cut, the distances from timber stand to sawmill grew, and transport became a top priority. Railroads were the answer, and Baldwin was so important as a hub that eventually two major lines crossed here. The town of Luther, east of Baldwin, was the center of the logging era from about 1880 to 1900. So many railroad spurs were run into the forest that that town looks like a huge spiderweb on the old railroad maps. Most of the railroads are gone now, but there are remnants around. Just a few feet north of the museum buildings is the bed of the Marquette Railroad. That is now the Marquette Rail Trail and runs east to Midland and beyond. Standing on the trail and looking west, one sees the old concrete coal dock towering in the distance. These railroads were primarily used to move logs to Baldwin, where they could be switched to a different railroad for transport to Grand Rapids or Manistee, where the wood could be used, or the logs could be sent on west via Lake Michigan. It's easy to imagine the enormous piles of coal that were here to refuel the giant steam locomotives. A typical engine of the day consumed about 60 pounds of coal every mile when running at top speed. That comes out to about 15 pounds every 15 seconds. That is a lot of coal, and there are a lot of engines. These were steam engines, so they also needed lots of water. In the early days, an engine might have had to stop every 10 miles or so for more water. Eventually, tenders were developed, which were special cars designed to hold water and fuel. These extended the range for newer locomotives to 100 to 150 miles before they needed to be refilled. That demand for water means that the Baldwin River was in great demand. Other exhibits of note in the museum include the history of team sports like baseball and the integrated population of Baldwin, one of the most diverse towns in early Michigan history. One of the most unusual objects available here is the Green Book. This book was subtitled The Negro Motorist Guide and showed places where black people were welcome while traveling. Baldwin was famous even then as an open, integrated community. Before I get back to that delicious ice cream, just a note about the county seat exhibit at the museum. The courthouse is an enormous structure on the north edge of town and sits in a square of its own at the junction of Route 37 and Route 10. Baldwin wasn't always the county seat. Originally, the county seat was in Chase, a few miles east. Eventually, the county seat was moved to Baldwin, but it involved a bit of skullduggery to get it done. Those who wanted the county seat located in Baldwin took direct action. They went to Chase and stole the safe containing the votes. They got away with it, though a minor skirmish did ensue. That safe was on display in the Chase Library. Downtown Baldwin is still a popular destination. In recent times, it has been for festivals and that famous ice cream, among other things. Jones Ice Cream has been a landmark for generations, and now it's acting as a signpost for new progress and developments. High on the outside wall, a new mural has appeared. It depicts an iconic wilderness scene that includes a trout. Soon, when strolling to shops, dining spots, and galleries downtown, visitors will enjoy new works of art. In 2023, six murals will be created by local artists. The murals are planned to be four feet by six feet, and each will depict the vision of the artist expressing the beauty and heritage of Baldwin. The mural project is being coordinated by the Red Tree Gallery, which is also downtown, and is housed in an historic structure erected in 1905. The project was spearheaded by Pamela Tripp-Simmons. These days, residents and visitors alike often take a break over in Hollister Park, but soon there will be another community gathering spot, again, right downtown. There's an old building sitting at the corner of 9th Street and Michigan Avenue. It was the Heffernan Opera House in better days, but has fallen into disrepair in recent years and is being demolished. In typical Baldwin form, the lot won't be left vacant. The Downtown Development Authority stepped up to manage the demolition and plans to create a new community park at that spot. The Downtown Development Authority is the impetus for a lot of the improvements around the downtown district. From arranging to pave an old alley to sponsoring works of art to historic preservation, the DDA is always ready to pitch in. Find out more at michiganbackroads.com.